Recorded live. Good evening, God bless everyone that's uh, joining us at our Two Zone Bible Study tonight. We always like to thank all of our listeners and those who are gathered here on site and uh, via our phone conference. Thank you so much for allowing us to come to you and to share something uh, from God's Word uh, to you uh, on, on this evening. We're going to start with prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. We we adore you, we acknowledge you, for you said in all our ways that we should acknowledge you and you would direct our path. So it is you we acknowledge. We ask now for the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us into all truth. Before this, we will give the name all the praise, honor, and glory, which is always due unto you. Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we're going to continue with the lesson we did last week about salvation and um, specifically dealing with the Holy Spirit tonight and the Holy Spirit's work in us. Um, and we're going to look at quite a bit of scriptures. But what, what I want to do uh, before we get into um, that part of it is to kind of reiterate reiterate what uh, was shared last week about salvation. Uh, first of all, we talked about how the need for salvation is for everyone, every human, every person, past, present, and future. Everyone that was born into this world was born a sinner. Uh, of course, Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, and so they were created perfect until they sinned, until uh, they did what God commanded them not to do. At that point, they became sinners. And because they're the first humans, the first progenitors of the, of the human race, uh, by them, every other, every other human that was born was born a sinner. Therefore, we state, and it is true, sin is not just what you do, per se. Sin is a state of being. Sin is a state of being. So. It's, it's, it's not just a whole list of things we can give you. you know, there are some things that we know not to do. But in, in, in terms of theology, sin is, is more so a state of being. And the whole created order was affected by sin. Not just humans, not just the human race. Uh, remember in Genesis chapter 3 when God is, is uh, he comes to, first of all, he comes to the serpent. And he says, because you've done this, from thy, on thy belly thou shalt, thou shalt go, and thou shalt eat, eat flesh. And then uh, he tells, he says, the seed of the woman shall bruise your head. You shall bruise its heel, but it's going to bruise your head, ultimately saying you're going to be destroyed. Then he went to the woman and, and said what he says about in, in childbirth and sorrow shall your conception be. Uh, and then he goes to the man. 
and says, For the sweat of thy brow thou shalt eat and work all the days of thy life. And he says, The earth is going to yield to you thorns and thistles. Now, that part, thorns and thistles, suggests that even the earth itself was cursed because of sin. So not just mankind was cursed. The whole created order was cursed. And since that time has been in conflict with man. That's what sin does. Now, when we talk about redemption, salvation, what Jesus did and his purpose for coming was to undo all of that that was, that was done in Genesis chapter 3 as, as it relates to the curse and to sin. He came to remove the curse and to remove sin uh, from humanity, from the human race, and from the universe, and from his creation. Now, I'm not going to get too far in that tonight because uh, I'll lose some more friends. I'll lose some more friends if I keep talking about that salvation is not just for humans, but he died for the whole world, the whole created order is to be redeemed. And I don't this one scripture, Genesis, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, at around verse 19, and the whole earth groaneth, uh, the whole creation groaneth, and in travail for the manifestation of the sons of God. Uh, so, I'm not getting to it because that's going to excite me. But that's what we talked about last week as far as salvation. And how do we get saved? The way that we get saved is through what Jesus Christ has done, not by our works. Okay, we often quote the scripture in Ephesians chapter 2 that says, By grace are you saved through faith, not of work, lest any man should both. A lot of us quote that scripture, but then we tell people they got to do a whole lot of work to get saved. You got to do this, do that, come to church, wear these type of clothes, don't go here, don't go there, get baptized pray in the tear room, all that type of stuff. No, that's not how you get saved. You get saved by accepting what Jesus Christ has done, accepting him and what he has done. That's how we are saved. And we talked, looked at some scriptures in uh, Romans chapter 10, 9, and that if thou shalt confess with your mouth and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. All right? For with the heart man believeth in us righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, Romans 10, 9, and 10. All right? And then we talk about Acts chapter 2. All right? Uh, we talked about sometimes the discrepancy that some people have uh, and almost put Romans 10, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, against one another. And it's not so. All right? Because they're saying the same thing. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 is really saying the same thing that Acts chapter 2 says. When Peter began to preach, he preached Jesus. He preached Jesus that whole chapter, and then he gets to verse 36 and says, Now, therefore, let all the house of Israel know that God hath raised that same Jesus whom you have crucified. God has raised him up and made him both Lord and Christ. Verse 37 says, And when they heard this, when they heard about Jesus, when they heard about who he really was, and when they heard that he was resurrected and he was made Lord, that pricked their heart, that changed their heart, that convicted them in their heart, what shall we do? And that's when Peter said repent. And so Acts 2 8 is a response to the belief of the gospel. Repent, be baptized in one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the mission of your sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, and I'm not going to get all into it tonight, baptism doesn't necessarily get you saved. It is a response to salvation. It is a response to salvation. In and of itself, it is not salvation. And sometimes we have uh, sometimes preached that you've got to be baptized in order to be saved. I like to say it this way. Baptism is for saved people. Uh, let's look at a couple of scriptures on that note. First Peter chapter 3, verse 21. I think that's a good place. We'll start with that scripture. First Peter chapter 3, and we'll look at verse 21. All right, one more time. First Peter chapter 3, verse 21. The light figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer, the response of a good conscience toward God. 
by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you read uh, uh, further up what Peter's talked about, he was actually given a parallel of baptism to the, to the, the flood of, uh, in Noah's day. Okay? How he says that Noah was saved by the flood or by water. That's interesting. I'm not going to all into it. But baptism does nothing for your flesh. It does not clean you, so to speak. It is an answer. It is a depiction. It is a demonstration of what happened to you. And in Romans, I think we'll get to it later on, uh, whenever we baptize someone, we are re- reenacting, actually, what Jesus did. Romans says we were buried with him by baptism. And so when Jesus died, that's what repentance is, and, and conviction of sin, conviction of who, that's our death. All right? So Jesus died. That's our repentance. And then he was buried. That's our baptism. And as he was raised to walk in the newness of life, when we come up out of the waters of baptism, we are into the newness of it's a depiction of the salvation that happened in the inwardly. Okay? So it's a demonstration of what happens spiritually. All right. Um, so, yeah, that's what we talked about last week. Really trying to uh, come to and bring harmony, rather, trying to bring harmony of Acts 238 and Romans uh, chapter 10. They're not saying two different things. Okay? And I don't want to be so critical of, of uh, some of the teachings that I used to embrace, but I really did, until the Lord gave me much more understanding. Um, I, I've heard people argue that Romans 10 9 wasn't in the Bible. And it's right there in the Bible. I can say a verse of scripture is not there. It's right there. And I heard debate how people get saved and somebody holler at, you can't get saved by talking about Joshua confessing that mouth, believing in our heart, God is raised you from there. You can't get saved that way. Well, that's exactly what Romans said. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, God raised you from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You can't remove that from scripture. You cannot do it. Okay? All right. So we have to find a way and make sure we allow the scriptures to interpret itself instead of, instead of interpreting or misinterpreting them from our own understanding. All right. Now, at the end of last week's uh, class, we addressed the question, can a person be saved without the Holy Ghost? Can a person be saved and not have the Holy Ghost? And we looked at some scriptures, the main scripture we looked at, and we'll go there, First Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll look at verse 3. First Corinthians 12 and 3 says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by or except by the Holy Ghost. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Ghost. And the English Standard Version renders this verse, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is the curse. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Ghost. That's what the English Standard Version says. So the question is, can a person be saved without the Holy Ghost? And the answer is no. You can't be saved without the Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Ghost that brings you to salvation. It is the Holy Ghost that convicts your heart. We talked about that. It is the Holy Ghost that uh, reveals to you who God is, who, who Jesus is. So you can't be saved without the Holy Ghost. What we was quick to add last week, that there's a difference in having something and being filled. All right? And if we can just, if I could just go ahead and get it, you know, and I may close early tonight. We have to. The, the 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 real question I think some people are asking is about the demonstrations or the evidences or the fruit of the spirit. Because again, some of us were brought up under the belief system that uh, the evidence of the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues. And I'm not refuting that. I will, and I have to scripturally say. It's not the only evidence. It's, it's, it's not. And to be honest with you, sometimes we added words to a verse. That's not there. 
When the Bible says they all were filled with the Holy Ghost and began, began to speak the tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. All right? But then sometimes we, 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 we say these things that you've got to get the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, where do we get that from? Where would you find that scriptural verse with the evidence of speaking in tongues? Okay? Let me tell you some time. You won't find it. You will find many places in the Bible, in the book of Acts, that when people did receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they did speak in tongues. Okay? But what we have done in our, in our creative way is that we've made speaking in tongues and the Holy Ghost synonymous, and, the, and they're not. They're not. You can mimic anyone's block the label. But that doesn't mean it's, 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 it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I knew this was going to be kind of, kind of rough in here. But I think we do God a disservice. We do ourselves a disservice. I mean, uh, where am I at? First Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. That's where we at right now. Okay. So, we do ourselves a disservice if we only emphasize tongues. Paul does a wonderful uh, dissertation in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 13 about tongues. And I think we would do well to really understand what he's saying because we got people from one extreme. One extreme saying we don't need tongues at all in the church. Those are called cessationists who don't believe the gifts of the Spirit are at work in the church. Uh, they're called cessationists. Those gifts have ceased. That's what they believe. They don't have a specific scripture for it. That's what they believe. Um, and you got the others of us on the other extreme where sometimes the only thing we do is speak in tongues. We come in and don't speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whole service, everybody, the whole church, hollering and yelling to the top of the, you know, about tongues. And both need clarity. Both need to understand that tongues in and of itself is not the Holy Ghost. It's just not. Okay? So we're going to look at a little bit. We're going to look at exactly, and I say we need to get more understanding, in-depth understanding, why did God give us those bits? And sometimes, especially those who are really drenched in denominationalism, we wear things uh, like demonstration of the Holy Ghost as a badge, or like, you know, this looks so better because we, we louder than y'all, we speak in tongues, we got to get some spirit. None of that. None of that. Because if you read First Corinthians, when Paul talks about it, and I guess we get this one time today, um, he says that if all speak with tongues, how shall you know what's being said? And again, I'm not saying we shouldn't, but I, I will say this. I will say this. That some of us, we, we misapply, we overuse and abuse certain privileges that we have. You walk into a church, and the whole church just flies and running, speaking in language you don't understand. I've seen people culture shock. We shocked. Don't know what's going on. Don't know what to do. Don't know whether to run, cry, call police, EMS. Yeah, I was in the church. I ain't going to tell you all everywhere I went. Um, one Sunday. I ain't going to see which Sunday. I might try to investigate where I went. Uh, but, you know, this is just a... <laughs> oh, this is what's called quote unquote got happy. That's what someone called it. Got happy. And he, I, I thought for sure they were going to call, call EMS. They just didn't know what to do. She was all right. She was just rejoicing in the spirit, you know, uh, overcome by the presence. And it, it is fine. But Paul is saying if the whole church is acting like that, who is going to tell these folks what's going on? We don't want to talk like, about like that. We just want to. All right. So let's look at some other ways besides tongues that uh, why God gave us the Holy Spirit, why the Holy Spirit is essential in our life. And let me say again, you know, um, 
Some are important, but they're not the most important. Anyway, let me, let me go with this message. Uh, first of all, the Holy Spirit, it, it draws the unsaved to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit draws the unsaved to Jesus Christ. Look what Jesus said in John chapter 15. Go, go there real quick to me. John chapter 15, verses 26 to 27. John 15, verses 26 and 27. Here's what it says. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can come to me except the Father who sent me draws me. So Jesus is saying, and it is by the Spirit that they're drawn to Jesus Christ. Actually, let me go verse 26. I missed that. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. When the helper, the comforter, the Holy Ghost, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify me. That's, this is a litmus test of, of whose life is really guided by the Holy Ghost. Jesus said the Holy Ghost will testify of me. And so any other spirit that comes testifying anybody else, it's not the spirit of God. That's what the person tells the, uh, the Muslims. The spirit of God testifies of Jesus Christ. No other thing, not Muhammad, not no other imam, or whoever, testifies of Jesus Christ. How, how much do we do in the name of being led by the Holy Ghost, but it doesn't testify of Jesus Christ? Oh, I feel it. I feel the power. What's that good preaching term you use sometimes? I feel my Holy Ghost. Okay, but in your message, are you testifying of Jesus Christ? All right, so the Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus Christ. Let's look at a couple of other scriptures about this, and then we'll move on. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. And I'll just quote that. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. That, of course, recently asked me, why aren't we seeing miracles happen? Why aren't we seeing signs and wonders? Why aren't we seeing people filled with the Holy Spirit? Here in Acts chapter 10 is, is the story of Cornelius, a Gentile, being, quote, unquote, converted. Uh, uh, but listen, while Peter spoke the word, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Now, when you go back and read what Peter was preaching, Peter was preaching Jesus, same message he preached on the day of Pentecost, Jesus. And so one of the reasons why we don't see a demonstration of the outpouring of God's spirit is, again, we're not testifying of Jesus. We're not preaching Jesus. We're not exalting Jesus. We're not exemplifying Jesus. We're not magnifying Jesus. That's why. That's why. We can come in and we sing songs that don't reverence him, and we can, quote, unquote, get a move, but it's not a spirit move. It's not a God move. It's something that's generated, fabricated by us and our arrogance and our pride, our excitement and our own abilities and gifts. If it doesn't testify of Jesus Christ, it's not authentic. I'm really saying, how can you... Because you got some folks, again, a little bit to our, our tongue police, who try to measure people's Holy Ghost for how much they speak in tongues. And that's about it. You got the fruit of the Spirit, you got the gifts of the Spirit, and all that to work through, all right? And then you have, what are you testifying? What is your message? What is your main message? What is your main motive? And if it's not Jesus Christ, it's not the Holy Ghost. 
Okay. I'm going to quote verse 12 and 3 again. No one can say that Jesus is Lord. Listen to what he's saying. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Ghost. And so he says that uh, that no one uh, calleth Jesus a curse. No man speaking about the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse. So if you have someone, come on now, you know, our high pro-denomination of living people who feel that your denomination is the only person who's going to heaven. If somebody is preaching Jesus and they're saying Jesus is Lord, how can you condemn them? This is the type of stuff that gets you in trouble. How can you listen to somebody preaching about Jesus, saying Jesus is, when, when Paul is saying a person who does that can only do that by the Holy Ghost? So who are we to criticize and condemn someone because they don't close their message, you know, the way we close it? A- am I making sense? You know, I believe I am. But these senseless arguments sometimes aggravate me. They really do. Because regardless of how much, quote, unquote, unity you think you have in the body of Christ, all you got to do is listen to the preacher's talk. We'll go to each other, stop. You know, I come, you know, stop. Let me come preach at your church and all this stuff. And then we get back in their pulpit and see how they're not saved. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Ghost. And we need to stop sending folk to hell because they're not a part of our church. If they say Jesus is Lord, they're all right with me. Because you cannot say that unless the Holy Spirit uh, uh, gives you the revelation. You believe to confess that. Believe it and confess that. That's in the Bible. All right. I feel I'm going to have to come back to it before this night over with. The Holy Spirit will convict both unbelievers and believers. He will convict both unbelievers and believers. John chapter 16. John chapter 16, uh, beginning at verse 11. And one reason why I'm going to try to go through several more of these type of scriptures because sometimes, especially, I'm in the PG region, Florence, and uh, up, up the road, up the street in the city called Lake City, you know, pretty much the, 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 the gospel quartet capital. And uh, if you go to or, or remember going to some of these uh, quartet blockbuster programs, when those quartet guys get to go in the run of a song, one of the lines used to say, I don't know if they do it now. I haven't been to one of them shows in a long time. But they'll get to this part. I got Holy Ghost Power, Holy Ghost Power. They go back and forth. Oh, we love that. You tell a good time? Oh, man. Everybody be shouting off that. Holy Ghost Power, Holy Ghost Power. It'll get up. You know, it'll make you shout. It'll make you run. It'll make you fight. But the Holy Ghost, of course, these scriptures will do more than just make you shout, more than make you run, more than make you clap your hands. I feel it in my hands. I feel it in my feet. More than that. More than that. He convicts the world, according to John chapter 16, verse 7. Let's read it. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. But if I do not go away, the help or the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him, not it, send him to you. And when he has come, listen, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness, and of judgment. How can we say, those of us who got the Holy Ghost power, Holy Ghost power, that we're so full up with God's Holy Ghost and, and, and are not convicted, not just by sin, but of righteousness. Let me talk about sin first, because that's what most of us, you can't do anything wrong, you can just do anything wrong, and it doesn't bother your conscience. You know, you never feel remorse. 
feel bad about it, cut somebody out, and it's just, oh, well, I told him to leave me alone. And you say, the other part is convict the world of righteousness. He will convict you who you are. We are the righteousness of God. And the Holy Ghost can convict you that you are the righteousness of God. When the enemy would try to come and make you feel condemnation, is the Holy Spirit able to convict you and convict you. And that's, oh man, that's such a good feeling. That, is, that gives you life when the Holy Ghost actually reveals in you and convicts you that you are the, the righteousness of God. So regardless of what people say about you, even regardless of your mistakes, he convicts you of righteousness. So there's two parts, convicts the world of sin and of righteousness. Now, another part that convicts the world of righteousness, you ever uh, had this problem, since everybody likes to talk about haters? You walk into a room, or it works on places, everybody just got, you know, hmm, who do they think is? Sometimes what's really happening, they're being judged by your righteousness. You don't have to say a word. You don't have to preach to them. But just by you being who you are, doing what you do as you do it, you're convicting them. Your righteousness is convicting them. And that's done by the Holy Ghost. And for some people, it really convicts them to the point of salvation. How can they, how can they do that? How can they, how can they uh, not lose their cool? How can they stay so calm in this environment? How do they do folks trust them out like that and just retaliate? Your righteousness is convicting them. Does that make any sense? All right. Another thing the Holy Ghost does is that he will regenerate our human spirit. And again, this is part of salvation. He regenerates our human spirit. In other words, when you're saved, it is the Holy Spirit that will begin to conform you, as one scripture says, into the image of Christ. He's always steadily at work in you, making you, conforming you into the image of Christ. It is the Holy Ghost that does that. You can't go to enough church services to get the image of Christ. You can't do it. You can't have enough hands laid on you. You can get grief. You can go through a whole bucket full of oil a week. That doesn't change you. That doesn't conform you in the image of Christ. It is the working of the Holy Ghost in you that does that. Does that make sense? And so sometimes we, get, we feel like it's our religious works that does it. Well, if I go to the Bible classes, if I go to the Bible, enough conferences and conditions, you know, I, no, it is the Holy Ghost that conforms you into the image of Christ. All right? He changes and regenerates our human spirit. Uh, and the scripture for that is, is, is Titus, chapter 3. And again, I'm, I'm giving a lot of scriptures because some people, they only, they only think about the Holy Ghost in terms of a good heart service and never really consider all that the Holy Ghost does in our life. Titus, chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. But when the kindness of the love of God, our Savior toward man appears, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Oh, wow. Whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Notice two important things. This regeneration is being directly tied to getting saved. All right? Through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. So again, the question was asked, can a person be saved and not have the Holy Ghost? According to all these verses, no. Washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit directly is involved in our regeneration and renewing, becoming who God wants us to be. When we talk about regeneration, that's really the same word as we say we say being born again or being saved, rebirth, things of that nature. All right? Here's another uh, phrase, phrases of a song, of a song uh, we used to say. I looked at the hands, my hands with me, looked at the feet, fingers too. I like, not necessarily. You know, if you had, you know, grease up on your fingernails before you converted, that grease probably still there. But, but, but the thing is, your perception changed. 
who you are changed. The Holy Ghost was work and is working in you so much so that it would change, excuse me, he would change your very character. You ever know a mean person that got saved? I mean, say for real now. The character change. I remember this one young lady years ago, years ago. Uh, she was kind of rough, you know, like fight, you know, cuss people out in fights. You know, she was, she was one of those professional cussers. I mean, by the time she got finished with you, you, you feel bad for the person she cussed out. You go to crime for them. Uh, but she got saved. And when she got saved, one day somebody came at her room, and this poor child came to be crying. She was crying, y'all, crying. What you crying for? You mean, you know, it's supposed to be tougher than that. You're going to let that bother you. I ain't crying because of what they said. She said, I'm crying because I want to get them, and I can't. God won't let me get them. That used to be good for What she was saying, there's a change in me. There was a moment that wouldn't have happened. But now that God is working in me, he's changing my desire. Mm. He's changing my desire. And that's what the Holy Ghost does. He changes your desire. And that's why there's a song. I wanted to um, get here early enough so I can, I wanted to play it this side. Uh, Walter Hawkins, who was, who was a superb writer, the late Walter Hawkins. He wrote a song that he and Tremaine Hawkins did a duet together. And uh, it's oh, stop disturbing me. It's talked about the regeneration of the Spirit of God. And talked about, and basically, here's what, it is. here's what a lot of believers need to understand you can't force your change. You can't force salvation in your life, and you can't force it in somebody else's life. Okay? The Holy Spirit will work in you. And not only will he change your behaviors, he will change your desires. Because it's not enough to modify your behavior, but you still want it. What is that? You want something you can't get? That's just going to create tension and contention within you. But he will change your desires. So that that which you used to want, you don't even want it anymore. You used to want to do it, you don't even want to do it anymore. And it can take time. But you have to allow the Holy Ghost in you to work in you those changes. And he will change your design. He will. To the point, so I think all of us still got some work to do, but to the point somebody can slap you and you would do just like Jesus said. You will offer them the other cheek. Now, most of us haven't gotten there yet. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's move on. The Holy Spirit will help us draw closer to God. The Holy Spirit will help us draw closer to God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, one of the most beautiful passages. Ephesians chapter 2, 18, says this, For through him... We both have access by one spirit to the Father. Through Jesus, we have access by one spirit to the Father. Let's look at another verse. Oh, yeah, let's do this one. First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. You know, these scriptures we don't, we don't went through, and so far none of them talked about tongues. I think we've overemphasized that far too much. First John chapter 4, verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, listen, listen, Linda, listen, Linda. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us 
his spirit. Now, look at that connection he's talking about love and the spirit. If we love one another, God abides in us. And how does God abide in us? Through his Holy Spirit. But we've got a whole bunch of sun talking things. I don't like church folks. I don't like them and they don't like me. How can you say you have the Holy Ghost and that's your testimony? You can't. Not according to this scripture. If we love, listen, one another, he's not talking about the sinner. If we love one another, God, listen, listen, y'all, God abides in us. But you want to convince somebody who's saved because you can run all over the church talking about ta ta he and he he talk. You know how? That, that's not where it's at. The demonstration of the Spirit is not just tongues. The demonstration of the Holy Spirit in your life is when you can love the body of Christ. Amen. Another work of the Holy Spirit is that he was sanctified. He was set apart for God. He will sanctify us. And again, it's a process. It doesn't always happen all at once. It is a process. But he was sanctified. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse thirteen. Talking about sanctification. All right? This is what it says. Second Thessalonians two thirteen. I'm going too fast. Kind of tell me to slow down. I'm trying to get it all in. Second Thessalonians chapter two thirteen. Because God from the beginning chose. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not. God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. All right? Another scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. And such were some of you. Matter of fact, let's go there because I don't want to read all of that. That's, 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 that's good preaching. Passage right there. First Corinthians chapter six. Yeah, it's real good teaching material right there. Hey, verse nine. First Corinthians six and nine. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate homosexuals. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Look at verse 11. And such were some of you. Sometimes the saints forget what God saves us from. We forget. I wrote something, I preached up this some time ago. There's not a, don't put too much distance from verse 10 and verse 11. Such were some. He's preaching to people who come out of his lifestyle. And sometimes in the body of Christ, we, we, we have a disdain for people who are still bound by the same things that once held up. Paul says, such were some of you. But the only difference in you and them is that you are washed, you are sanctified, and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Again, notice all these scriptures talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And so far, we, we didn't get to the ones about tongues yet. So why do we put so much, not that it's unhealthy emphasis on tongues and, and not teach and admonish the people the work that the Holy Spirit needs to work in your life. Get real, okay, we'll get to the real evidence in just a moment. How much time is that? All right. 
Let us go to. Well, I'm skip something. I'm going to skip a lot. The Holy Ghost also teaches us how to pray. It's also in uh, Romans chapter eight. Uh, for we know not what to pray for as we ought. Romans chapter eight. He teaches us how to pray. Major work of the Holy Spirit is teaching us how to pray, working with us as we pray. If you don't pray, you'll develop a prayer lifestyle. You're really not experiencing all there is to experience in God by and through His Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit teaches us how to pray. All right? And of course, we know the scriptures, uh, the thronings which cannot be uttered. It's how the Holy Spirit does that. All right? Here's another powerful verse. The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit will guide us. That's the reason why we need to be filled and admonish all believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not the denominational uh, church that they go to that, that, that decides what level of truth that they're supposed to. No, it is the Holy Spirit that will lead them into all truth. That's why if you think that you got all truth, you don't need the Holy Spirit. Okay? I know people that think that their church, their pastor, got all the truth, got all the revelation. If you believe that, if you believe that, you don't need the Holy Spirit. The job of the Holy Spirit is to lead and guide you into all truth. John, uh, uh, John, Gospel John, chapter 16, verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. If you have a question about a doctrinal uh, 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 thing in, in the church or whatever, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. Amen? Just ask him to do it. And he will lead you and guide you. He would, he would illuminate your understanding so you can understand. He would guide your steps. I know you will, because I've asked him so many times. Lead me, teach me. And, and he has done that. He has done that. You never get to the place where you know it all. So he will lead us and guide you into all truth. Another work of the Holy Spirit is that he will teach us all things. He will teach us. John chapter 14 Verse 26, John chapter 14, verse 26. But the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Now, he, he may use other people as vessels, but he is a teacher. That's why when we come to a service and listen to uh, the preacher, the teacher, the prophet, the apostle, whoever, don't just listen to them as a natural person. No, listen to the Holy Spirit that's speaking through them. Because the Holy Spirit that's speaking through them will teach you all things. Okay? He will teach you all things. And let's look at First Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. I love this part. For the spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. Wow. God has revealed them to us by his spirit. God is not the person. God doesn't, he doesn't hide things from us. He doesn't hide knowledge. He doesn't hide truth. He doesn't hide wisdom from us. He reveals them to us. He wants us to know. He, he wants us to know. He don't want us to be done. He wants us to know. And he reveals things through his spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, that searches even the deep things of God. So stop being intimidated and folks trying to tell you, you're trying to be so deep. Yep, you just figured it out. God bless you. Absolutely. Yep, I'm not going to stop. All right. 
Uh, go further down that verse. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might live and know the things that have been freely given to us by God. The connection of the Spirit of God and knowledge, you will find over and over in the New Testament. The connection of the Spirit of God and knowledge. So again, it frustrates me how we only overemphasize one factor, tongue. And we get so turned in or out about tongue when the Holy Spirit just over and over tells us other things that the Holy Spirit is working and needs to work and wants to work in our life. But we're so quick to condemn somebody else because they don't, you know, again, hot child like we do. Our time is about out. I'm not going to go much further in this, but I will read Galatians chapter 5 as we go. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22. Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Go to verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. What is the evidence? of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And again, what is the evidence of the Holy Ghost? That's the question. The answer is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's the evidence. That's the biblical evidence. And again, I'm not discounting tongues, but we have put far too much emphasis on it. When the real emphasis should be on, on your lifestyle, on the fruit of the Spirit, that which only the Holy Spirit can work in, in, in an individual's life. Right. Did I make any kind of sense tonight? You know, I may have made a couple of enemies, but uh, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Because I think one reason why the world gets so disillusioned and disenfranchised with the church it's because how our, our lifestyles all jacked up, yet we can't be saved. And we don't want to go into heaven. They don't understand that. How we how are we mean nasty, mean nasty, we we're not compassionate, uh, we're not loving, we're not forgiving, yet we're supposed to be God's favorite one? How how is that? I'll tell you why. Because we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, y'all know good way. If I go to, you know, some, some people's church and tell them, <laughs> y'all ain't full of the Holy Ghost, yeah, it's put me out. But that's the problem. Just because, as I stated last week, just because you have something doesn't mean you're full. I'm not discounting. Yes, yeah, true. If you say you have the Holy Spirit, you dealt with that last week. And at the beginning of this lesson, if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't mean that you're full of the Holy Spirit. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, that means we can consistently see the fruit of the Spirit in your life, love, joy, meekness, gentleness, gentleness, faith, and all, long stuff, and all of that. Does that make sense? All right. I'm going to leave it there tonight. We'll pick up next week. We may continue with this over the next. Um, go to something else. Let me again announce that uh, we'll be going to Sunday services beginning September 13th. Uh, for those of you who are in the Florence area, we'll be going to Sunday services. We're going to be expanding uh, to Sunday services at 11 o'clock. Our temporary location will be at 1719 South Irby Street. That's called the dot, place dot meeting place. Uh, that's where we'll be. You'll find us there at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning beginning September 13th. Now, let me uh, please do a plug in. 
If you come in, you want you to come. We invite you to come. But please come on time if you come in. Uh, I'm not one of those who like to try to wait for folks to get there. We're going to be in and out. We're going to praise God, uh, do the word, we praise, we worship, we're going to fellowship, and then we go into the house to eat or something like that. All right, so uh, tell somebody, invite somebody, bring somebody uh, to Truth Zone. Again, September 13th, we'll be going to our Sunday services, and we'll still be having our Tuesday night Bible class uh, here on site at 1008 Clinic Street, Fort South Carolina. This is the Truth Faith uh, Ministries. And uh, we'll also be still doing conference calls, and we'll have a website we're rolling out real soon so we can be better connected one to another. All right, thank you so much, those of you who are uh, with us through the phone. Thank you for joining us. And we'll give a benediction tonight. Father, thank you for what our ears have heard, our eyes have seen, our hearts have felt. Let your Holy Spirit teach us, guide us, and impress those things which you stated to us into our hearts and into our understanding. If we leave this place we never your presence, go with us in a way, and we find our destination at peace. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.